the best thing that the leader can do is to take complete ownership and responsibility for the team, whether whether it's, quote, their fault or not. Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from the Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, I'm your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this episode, we'll be making software development simple. Among the topics we'll talk about are whether coding is a skill that everyone should learn, how to lead a team of developers when you find yourself in a leadership position, and what the programming language or languages of the future will be. Joining us today to talk about those three topics and more is John Sanmez. John is the founder of Simple Programmer, a website where he tirelessly pursues his vision of transforming complex issues into simple solutions. John has published over 50 courses on topics such as iOS, Android, .NET, Java, and game development for the online developer training resource Pluralsight. He is also a life coach for software developers and he helps software engineers, programmers, and other technical professionals boost their careers and live more fulfilled lives. His book, The Complete Software Developer's Career Guide, will be hitting the bookshelf soon, and John is also the author of Soft Skills, The Software Developer's Life Manual. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks, Will. Glad to be here. Absolutely thrilled to have you here. So let's start off this episode talking about Simple Programmer. You've been at it for a while now, and you have a boatload of content that you put up on your website. How did Simple Programmer get its start, and how have you seen it grow since you launched it? I'd like to say that that I had this all planned out, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I kind of stumbled into this, and it started out as just my personal blog, where I was just trying to really, to be honest with you, what I was trying to do was almost passive aggressively get my viewpoints to management and to my coworkers at a at a position that I was working at because I knew they'd read my blog. They, they might not listen to what I'm saying, but they they maybe they'll take some some of, of what I'm saying from the blog. So I started really writing a lot of the stuff I was working with and some of the solutions I was I was coming up with for technical problems, for team problems, working on an agile team. And amazingly, what ended up happening with the blog was that a lot of people started reading it that weren't on my team. And pretty soon I started getting all kinds of opportunities, opportunities to create courses for Pluralsight, to speak on podcasts, to speak at conferences, to write my book, Soft Skills, Software Developer's Life Manual. And you know what I, what I found was that a lot of the content that I was creating as I was creating this content, the most popular stuff was actually the stuff that was not so technical, that was more on the soft skills side. And so I ended up really, maybe I think it was two years ago or two and a half years ago, I really made this shift and focused and said, okay, I'm now I'm no longer going to really be focusing on technical content anymore. And I'm just going to go completely into soft skills and to, and to really expand it into personal development. So, so now I, I, I joke that 
what Simple Programmer does is it teaches software developers how to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but really, you know, it, it's it's just become it's become my full time thing. It's we have a few employees now, and it is uh, it is focused on on one mission, which is really to uh, help software developers live better lives. Yeah, and and a lot of your material is geared to those with a software development background. Where do you come down on the question of should everyone learn to code in this era where it seems like everything is moving into the world of technology and digital? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, there, I know there's a lot of different opinions on it. My the, the way I look at it is that everyone should learn to code, but not everyone should be a coder, right? So everyone's job isn't going to be to, to write software in the future, but if you if you look at the way that the world is going, it's almost becoming like a basic skill, right? You know, it, we we all can read, and well, you know, most of us can read and write, but we're not all we're not all writers or or book critics, right? Or you know, but reading is is definitely an essential part. But I I would really make akin coding to writing, and and again, so you have to have a writing proficiency in order to be able to really survive in in the corporate environment. I mean, you could even take that and you could say, well, you know, you you kind of have to know how to use spreadsheets and and Excel and and Word, you know, the basic office suite of software, and and I would say that we're reaching that point where understanding the basics of, of coding is is sort of becoming that that new you know learning how to use excel and and it, even even just today right just the the traditional office worker if they know how to do even just some simple coding just some vba script or some excel macros how much more efficient does that person become i mean you don't even know they don't even know what they don't know until they they realize a little bit of this this programming knowledge so while I, well, I don't think everyone is going to necessarily need to be get a computer science degree and have the depth of knowledge that software developers have today. I do think that that base level of understanding the basics of coding and algorithms and that that way of thinking is going to be critical in in the in the coming future. So, yeah. And and let me ask you just to share a, a, a few of the stats on your followership. You get some, a crazy number of, or you have a crazy number of YouTube followers and monthly page views on your site. What are some of those metrics, just so people get an idea of the, the reach of your content? Oh, sure, yeah. So right now, actually, it's it's kind of funny because YouTube has overtaken the blog. The the blog right now does a simpleprogrammer.com. We're doing about two hundred fifty thousand, I'd say, page views per month, and you know, total of like six point six million views since the blog inception. Total views, and then on the YouTube channel, we're doing actually just about to hit a hundred thousand. Probably by the time this airs, we'll be at a hundred thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel, and around seven hundred thousand video views. Per Per month, so yeah, it's it's been, it's been crazy. I never expected that YouTube would be would dominate the uh, the platform there, but that's that's what's happened. So yeah, and and you mentioned the website at simpleprogrammer.com, and you're publishing uh, chapters of the upcoming book on it as as you work toward finishing it. The book again will be called the Complete Software Developer's Career Guide. Uh, when will it be out? If you know, and what are what what are also as a follow up some of the things that software developers in this day and age need to pay attention to that they might not, might not have ten or fifteen years ago? 
so the, it'll it'll launch on July nineteenth. That's the day to to buy. We'll be doing a crazy sale. I mean, the book is going to be somewhere between seven hundred to eight hundred pages. Wow! And I mean, and just packed with uh, with with information. But we're going to launch it at ninety nine cents for the Kindle version. So it'll only be for the launch day. But uh, but yeah, July nineteenth. And then, you know, I'd, I'd say that some of the things that software developers need to be aware of, well, well, one of the big things today, I would say, is that I was just discussing this with a, with a new software developer that I was trying to get into the field, and it's so confusing. Is I said, you know, when I was starting out, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't information, there wasn't the internet to look up tutorials on how to learn how to code, right? There was a few resources, right? You found a good book, you learned how to write C or C++, right? And there there was only a few of those as well. And so your your path was pretty clear, right? But there wasn't a lot of resources. So that was the difficult difficulty. But today, there are so many resources. There are is so much information. There is so many tutorials and you know free tutorials, paid tutorials, books, training, boot camps, all of this stuff. So today, really, the biggest thing I think software developers, especially new software developers, need to know is how to navigate that complex environment, what they actually need to know. And that's part of the reason why I created this book was to give you exactly uh, what you need to know as a software developer and really how to create a learning plan or a path for themselves to learn. Because a lot of, it's very tempting to just start learning stuff and go, I'm gonna learn this programming language or, oh shoot, I don't know about design patterns and algorithms and, and all of these things. but. You've got to sort through all that and figure out what do you actually need to learn, stick to the plan, come up with an actual plan, and that's going to get you where you need to go as opposed to being distracted by all of these these different things. I mean, it's great that we have options. It's great there's so much information out there, but sometimes all that information is noise if you don't have a very strong signal and you don't know how to develop that signal. Yeah, and in, in one of the recent excerpts from the book that you posted on the website, you write about some of the keys to leading teams successfully. What are the most impactful things a leader can do in order to get the most out of his or her team? I, well, I really believe in in leadership by example, and I really believe in taking ownership, taking responsibility uh, for things. So I would I would say honestly that, that the best thing that the leader can do is to take complete ownership and responsibility for the team, whether whether it's quote their fault or not, because ultimately it is their fault, right? I mean, a leader who takes full responsibility for everything that their team does, they do a couple of things. One, they empower themselves because they they give themselves the ability. As soon as I say it's not my fault or it's someone else's responsibility, I lose power, right? What that may be true. I mean, you can maybe be able to make that argument, but I've lost the power to change things if I don't take responsibility, even if it's not my fault, right? There's it, it's almost always better to choose to take responsibility. The other thing that that happens with that is that the team starts to, they feel protected and they understand that they can take some risks and you want your team to take risks. You don't want them to just play it safe all the time. You want them to feel like they, that you've got their back and so that they can play full out. They can give their all and, and not worry about, they're not worry about the safety net because there is, you've got the safety net, you are the safety net. So you, you, you give that. And then the, the third thing I'd say is that you give this example that they should have, which is that they should take responsibility 
responsibility for themselves. They should take responsibility for their actions. They shouldn't try and blame other people. And when you have that dynamic going on and you've set that example, then really what ends up happening is that if that leader's personality is strong and gives that example, I think, in a team, then any person in that team knows how to operate, knows how the team operates and operates in that same mode. So I would say that that's probably the most valuable thing that, that I've found in, in leadership is, is to lead in, in that fashion. And sometimes it's painful and sometimes you know you, you end up taking the brunt for things that you feel aren't your fault. But ultimately, you know, you're if you're in charge of the team, if you've got the authority, then whatever happens, it, it happens on your watch. So so it really is your responsibility. Yeah, and and just out of curiosity, you mentioned in your first answer that Simple Programmer came about as as a way to get your ideas to to your fellow team members and management. What what kind of company or what kind of software were you working on when you when you started this all? So I was working as a as a contractor actually for a government contract, and that <laughs> so that maybe explains why I had to do things in in that way. Uh, you know, coming in as an outside consultant on a on a government contract, uh, it, it wasn't always easy to get your voice heard. Sure. So, but you know, it, it's kind of funny. It's interesting in the book too. I talk about this idea of authority and especially you know it's important to understand the idea of how important authority is and when you're starting out you uh, oftentimes you have to borrow authority and that might mean that quoting a book right you know someone who's well known in the software development field that's that's not you you can you can utilize that but another technique that works that's that's great is just to have something written or published i mean there's it's amazing even me at that point being not a well-known developer by any means, just starting my blog, but just the fact that it was published and was on the web and someone was reading it, it had more authority than me sitting in the chair next to someone saying it, right? The same exact words, same exact thing, same exact person giving the advice, but because it was published on a blog on the internet, it carries more authority. So that's one thing that that I learned, and and especially if if you write it in a book and it's an actual published book, but that's one thing that definitely helped me out and and the, and was useful with the blog. Yeah, and and I mentioned in the intro that the complete software developer's career guide won't be the first book that you've written. Uh, that distinction belongs to Soft Skills, the software developer's life manual. Uh, I, I know that there is a probably a lengthy answer to this, or you wouldn't have written an entire book on it. But what are some of the keys to life for software developers that are specific to them? You know, I'm I'm not sure that it's so specific to them. It's kind of funny. Everything that I do now at Simple Programmer really is not developer specific, right? I what I focus on. I think the the, the reason why I still focus on software developers is, is for a couple of reasons. One. I have credibility with the audience because because I I have some reputation within that that community and two I was I struggled with a lot of these issues and so I know intimately you know what what kind of problems that software developers have more of right so so that I think that's really the key is that software developers in general right if we were to just take the stereotype of, of a software developer and you know stereotypes don't apply to everyone but but there's there's enough of it for it to to matter here, which would be someone who's 
maybe considered a little bit nerdy, a little socially awkward, maybe not in the best physical shape, right? I mean, you can think of kind of these these stereotypes, right? And so a lot of the things that I focus on with with this with the YouTube channel and then with soft skills, uh, the software developer's life manual is how how can we fix those things, right? What what can we do career wise to give you the soft skills, the social skills that you need that are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck? Uh, and then I go into some of the things like even on the fitness side, right? How can I give you kind of the best bang for your buck from an analytical mind of your fitness? And then software developers make a lot of money, but sometimes they're not quite smart with the money, so how can I give you some of the investment basics and, and some of the understanding of of some of the things that would be complex investment things like options for the average person, but they fit right in with the software developer's analytical mind and understanding of of mathematics usually, and try to think about other and productivity of course, and 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 then also the the whole spiritual mental game like the the strengthening of of your your motivation and and fortitude in order to you know push forward and achieve your your goals. So I, I try to tackle all of those things, but it's it sort of has that software developer spin based on, like I said, what I know that software developers are likely to be weak in. And just from my own experience going through this myself and, and learning it as, as a developer. Yeah. So another one of the blog posts that you wrote on the site that's a, a chapter or at least a preview of some of the copy that will be in the book is on the importance of selling ideas. Why do you think that's something that's so fundamental for people in this day and age? Well, you know, it's funny. I just, I think I just listened to an audio version of a book called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. And I believe in that book, it was it was interesting. He had this quote. I don't remember where the quote was from, but this stuck out of my mind because I, sometimes I get a little bit, a little bit of flack on on that chapter. But he said that this this manager told him, "I'd rather hire the arrogant, kind of loudmouth." Uh, person that pushes his ideas than the quiet person who has great ideas but never shares it with the team. And I thought that was really interesting because that's, I think that's the opposite of what most people think today, but it's true. It really is true. And so the thing is like, you can have the most brilliant idea and you can be a really brilliant person and, and, and people can make this argument. And, you know, I hear this all the time. It's like, oh, well, we need to, you know, we need to quiet some of the louder voices and we need to let some of the the softer voices have their share because they have they have good ideas and so our, our solution is to quiet the loud people you can't do that <laughs> you can't quiet the loud people uh you know the, those those people the, the thing is and and they are more valuable because they are selling their ideas it, you know sometimes the ideas aren't as good but the thing is right action always trumps non-action and so the thing is even if you have a mediocre idea but you actually talk about it and you actually do it and you actually take action on it, it's probably going to have a better result than having a great idea and doing nothing. And I know this because I get hundreds of emails every week from developers who have great ideas, but do nothing. And so the whole idea of that is really that, look, it's not just enough to be brilliant. It's not just enough to be a good software developer. You know, you have to get out there and and share your ideas, and you have to sell your ideas, and you have to sell yourself. You have to become a salesman for your ideas and for yourself if you want to be successful. Because you know, I think a lot of people have this idea, they have this dream that if they're really, really talented and if they're really, really good, someone else will notice. 
And sometimes that happens, but in life, most of the time, you're gonna get overlooked and the person who's louder but less skilled than you, but isn't afraid to share what they do know and isn't afraid to take action is going to get the promotion. They're the one whose idea is going to, the team is going to run with, right? So that's sort of the idea behind this is that you you have to, and it's not that hard to learn how to sell your ideas, but you've got to do it. You can't expect that people are just going to recognize this is the best idea, so let's go with it. Yeah, I think that's Daniel Pink's latest book uh, is, is, some, is something about everyone selling all the time. Yeah, um, it's waiting for me on my desk. So, uh, so yeah, I, I will look forward to tackling it with uh, with that answer in mind. So, I, I know that you don't focus specifically on on technology and software related stuff, but I have to ask because on one of the recent videos you did on your on your site, you talked about the the programming language of the future. So, what was the conclusion you came to in that video on on what the programming language or languages of the future will be? Yeah, so you know what? I, I think that it doesn't necessarily exist right now, but I think we've hit a point. If you look at it, th this is where I, I was kind of going with it, was that if you look at languages, a lot, most of the languages, like if you look at C Sharp and, and Java and, and maybe Go and some of the functional languages, right, we're sort of hitting a language parity. What I mean by that is, you know, at first C Sharp, I mean, C Sharp and Java were always pretty similar, but C Sharp and Java were both different than functional languages when they first started out. But now how many functional features like lambdas and whatnot are in, are in C Sharp and Java, and Java finally added them, right? And when you look at a lot of the programming languages out there, we've sort of hit this point where there, there's not a whole lot new. Right, as far as as far as languages, there's some variations and stuff, but most most of the robust programming languages that we use today, and you know, again, people will that are are very language uh, <laughs> language zealots will will be upset by what I'm saying, but but really, most of the robust programming languages that are popular today, you can do anything with, right? We we've hit that that level of of being able to do them. So I think that what we'll see in the future, and what we do need to see, is a collapsing. Of this, right? A collapsing into a more of a standardized. Do we need, you know, fifteen programming languages that are popular, or can we get by with one or two, right? And the and the answer is, if we can get by with one or two, it's it simplifies everything. It makes learning easier, right? It makes it standardizes, and the the same thing could be said, you know, if you if you think about programming language and in, in regular languages, right? Within at least within the tech domain, we can pretty much express ourselves and say whatever we need to say within the English language, right? I mean, different languages have different forms of expression, different words, but but we've pretty much standardized in the tech community on on English, at least for for a lot of what we do, and so by not having 15 different languages that we're, we're trying to communicate, uh, it, it, it simplifies things. So I think that really what, what, I'm, what I'm saying with that is that the language of the future is, is going to be universal. That's what we need. And, and maybe there's two, maybe there's three, I don't know. But I, all I know is that right now, there's a huge amount of inefficiency because especially you think about all the people that are developing frameworks and developing UI components and controls and all of these, these people pieces in all these different languages, it's sort of a, a scattershot, like all that effort, if it were all concentrated on one language in one direction, would be a lot more effective. 
And and so uh, you mentioned the book will be out July nineteenth. If uh, if folks are interested in getting early access to it or buying it day of, they should go to the website. I imagine. Yeah, actually, if you go to simpleprogrammer.com forward slash career guide, that's the best resource. It'll be on Amazon, but if you go there, we'll have something special for you, that a free edition in addition to getting the, the 99 cent price. Okay, awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on to talk about software development made simple. Uh, good luck with the publication of the book. We'll do everything we can to help you get some, uh, some eyeballs on it. Uh, it was great chatting with you. Thanks, Will. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks very much to John Sanmez for joining us for this episode of the podcast. As we mentioned toward the end of the episode, you can go to simpleprogrammer.com slash career guide to get your hands on John's new book that's just out today. You can also follow John on Twitter at at jsanmez. That's J-S-O-N-M-E-Z. And the website, again, where you can read his blog posts, watch his wildly popular YouTube videos, and get your hands on the book is simpleprogrammer.com. The Innovation Engine podcast is brought to you by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Head to www.3pillarglobal.com to learn more about our services. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Google Play to ensure that you never miss a new episode and head to threepillarglobal.com slash podcast to receive new updates about our show and read the full show notes and transcript of each episode. Don't forget, we also have an app for our Three Pillar Podcasts. Just search for the Innovation Engine on the App Store.